0: Well, the last couple of weeks, I've introduced you to a few people. The first week of our skeleton series, I introduced you to J.D. Vance and his book, Hillbilly Elegy. And then last week, I introduced you to Rachel Den Hollander and her incredible story. This week, I want to introduce you to a personal friend of mine. This is Angie Land. (laughs) And uh, I met Angie several years ago in a ministry context, and uh, we've been friends uh, pretty much ever since, and really got to reconnect at the Orchard. She started attending here, you said, eight years ago? Yeah, about
1: eight years now. Yeah, and
0: I came shortly after her on staff, and she's been such a huge help uh, to our church uh, because she's also a marriage and family counselor, and Mm -hmm. so uh, she serves our church, uh, not in a paid capacity, but really as a a, a tender, a member, giving back to the people uh, by helping some of the pastoral Mm -hmm. staff carry that load, and so Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really excited to have her here today because we're talking a lot about skeletons in this series and those things in our past that really trap us or chain us down uh, in the future. And last week, we dealt specifically with how do we deal with skeletons that we've created? You know, and we talked a lot about guilt and shame and that when we own our guilt, Jesus can forgive that guilt and free us from shame. But this week, we want to kind of change direction just a little bit and talk about how do we deal with skeletons that we didn't create? How do we deal with those things Mm -hmm. in our life that aren't our fault, that we didn't cause? And I'm sure you've seen Mm -hmm. your fair share of that, counseling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so many times, um, especially couples come in and they're struggling in their marriage and they just can't figure out why the communication doesn't come or why the anger is there and things like that. And they don't realize the the impact that those skeletons they brought with them from their family of origin has on their relationship now. So that's exactly what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And I think it does. It impacts all of us uh, on various levels. We Mm -hmm. all have skeletons in our past Mm -hmm. that we didn't calls we didn't create, but we still have to deal with them now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've asked Angie to be here to talk with us this morning, uh, not from her counselor's professional mm-hmm. perspective, but really through a very personal perspective, because this is something that hits home uh, in your life with your story. Mm-hmm. And I think it can kind of help a lot of people walk through with you how you've processed that and dealt with those skeletons uh, in your past. So uh, so why don't we get started there uh, a little bit? Why don't, why don't you, you know, kind of lean into that a little bit? Bit and share with us some of your story today and those skeletons yeah. that you didn't create.
1: Yeah. So the funny thing is that as a as a counselor, Christian counselor for the about past 15 or 20 years, and then also speaking at conferences and things, things like that, people think if you are in ministry um, of any capacity that you come from a perfect Christian family that it, you know it just had to be yeah. like that. And so I've had people come up and ask things and say you probably you know probably never heard anything like this or your family's probably not this way. And ironically, when um, the Lord called me to relationship counseling, I thought, sure, he had the wrong number, because that would not be something I would be great at up front. Um, Little did I know he was going to use that for a lot of healing in my own life, but the thing about skeletons um, that we grow up with that are in our families is that we don't really realize they're skeletons, yeah. they're, but they really feel like part of the family. They <laughs> they pull up a chair at supper time and hang out with the family. They know all the inside jokes. Um, they do kind of get tucked away when company comes though. Yeah. You know, They get put back. And so the thing about, about that is growing up, we don't really recognize Sometimes maybe we recognize a few red flags that things are really difficult or, um, you know, to the extreme. Like, obviously, those things, you know, we can kind of identify as we get older, maybe teenage years and stuff yeah. like that. But those more subtle things are harder to, to identify and to, to call out. Um, and so we hear a lot today about dysfunction, The word dysfunction um, is used as families, and and really all that means is something that's not functioning well, like a family that's not functioning well. And from the outside, our family functioned pretty well most of the time. You know, my dad and mom both had jobs. We had a nice home. You know, my brother and I participated in things in school, stuff like that. But where our dysfunction really happened was at home on the inside not a lot of communication, pretty much absent communication as far as um, knowing each other or dealing with struggles, things like that. Um, And the tension, to me, always felt like it was there. I was always wanting to ask the question, what's wrong? When we would be seated at the dinner table and nobody would be talking, and in my mind, I would just think if somebody would just say what was wrong, we might could deal with it or we might could fix it. And how I even knew that as a little girl, I don't know. But um, just really wanting that connection with my family and that interaction and stuff. But what would happen is when things would go wrong, Daddy had a temper, he would blow up. Mom would withdraw and really just not talk. And so... You never really knew what the problem was. Yeah. If it, and, and I think as a little girl, a lot of times I thought it maybe was something I did. And so my response to that would be to try really hard not to do anything wrong. I wasn't sure what that was or where that line always was, but I would try really hard to be responsible and take care of, keep my room clean and do yeah. all of those things, make good grades and stuff. The problem was I couldn't always hold up my end of that deal that I made with myself. I couldn't hold that end up. And so um, I just, you know, I think also I learned that it wasn't okay to admit it when you did do something wrong. Yeah. Like it was just better to deny it or not... Not come forward with that and own it. It would
0: create, or yeah, 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 or not, or knowing what it would create. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think that you know one of the things um, that that's important maybe to start out with, and and I've heard you know you say several times is that. having those skeletons didn't mean your family didn't love you didn't oh, mean that your yeah. parents didn't love you because you they did you knew that they did mm-hmm. um, but it still was skeletons that you had to deal with yeah. and it was because they had skeletons they had to deal with and, and so I think one of the things that you have to start working through is you know hey just because you have these skeletons you didn't create the people who created them they can still love you and it's yeah. it's not that they're doing this because they don't
1: yeah absolutely My mom and dad loved me. I knew that. I knew they did. I was never worried that they were going to put me out or anything like that. But the relationship was the thing that wasn't constant or or, um, secure always. Because if they were upset, it may not even have been at me. They just were upset about something. They would withdraw and daddy would blow up. Mama would not talk and stuff. And so, but... Sometimes it was, you know, about me. And so it was hard to identify that. And as a little girl, when somebody pulled away from you, it felt like they were pulling love away from you. You know, as an adult, I can look back on it and know for sure that my parents loved me. But um, having that growing up and just not being able to know the difference if it was the relationship or love. And so um, I don't think we began to identify those those family skeletons until I moved out of the house.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I think that's where the struggle kind of comes up for a lot of people because, like you said, when you grow up with those skeletons, you don't know they're yeah. skeletons. You think that's how everybody does it. Right. Um, and I think then what we hear is as we get older and we try to start a new family or a new life, you kind of, that's where you feel trapped by those skeletons, Mm -hmm. right? That, well, hey, if that's all I know, if that's where I come from, then that must be how I'm gonna be too. If my mama was like that, maybe I'm gonna be like that. If daddy was like that, maybe I'm gonna be like that. Um, And I think that's the big idea Mm -hmm. that we really wanna talk about today Mm -hmm. is that your family history does not determine your personal legacy. Now, it's it's a part of your past, you know? It's part of what makes you who you are, but it doesn't have to hold you captive. Those choices, that have been made in the past mm-hmm. are not necessarily the same choices you have to make in your future. And uh, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, I think, makes that really, really clear. So uh, if you guys are watching, if you have a Bible or may want to write this down, go read it later. You need to look at the story of Josiah. Uh, Josiah was a king in the southern kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah. And uh, he came from a family that had a lot of skeletons. Uh, his grandfather, Manasseh, was an incredibly wicked king, one of the most wicked kings in the Judean kingdom, his dad, Amon, was so wicked that he was assassinated Mm -hmm. by his cabinet, basically, because of how wicked a man he was. And so Josiah takes the throne at eight years old with the deck stacked against him right? That, hey, this is where he comes from. This is his family. That was his daddy. That was his grandpa. Mm -hmm. And kind of everybody expected those skeletons to really set him up for failure. But Josiah just totally broke from all those norms and Mm -hmm. his family history didn't determine his personal legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, You can look at Josiah's story in Kings and Chronicles. I'm going to read for you out of 2 Chronicles chapter 34, just two verses that kind of set up his story. It says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1. It says that Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And this is what it said. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So here's Josiah, eight years old, skeletons in the closet that he never created. He's eight deck stacked against him, Mm -hmm. and yet he becomes an amazing godly king. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matter of fact, Josiah's legacy is not his family's history. Josiah's legacy is that he began restoration to the temple. He tore down pagan high places, and he even rediscovered the first five books of the Old Testament Scripture and brought about revival during uh, his reign. So I think Josiah is a very clear, very biblical picture that you don't have to be captive to your family. Past, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we hear the term a lot in our days. And it's a biblical term, the sins of the father, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it can feel like, well, you're going to be held captive by those. Mm-hmm. I think Josiah shows us that you're not, and I think that's something, you know, in your story that you guys wrestled through, mm-hmm. you and your husband, mm-hmm. uh, out and starting your family. How did you struggle with making sure those skeletons that you grew up with didn't become a part of your new family that you yeah. were creating?
1: Yeah. So when you were talking about um, Josiah, I was thinking about um, the sins of the fathers. That was such an important scripture for us when we, um, as a young married couple, we began having our children. The, the last part of that in, um, I think it was verse 6, it says that God— shows steadfast love to thousands of those who love him and keep his commandments and so that really began to be such the promise that we wanted to hold on to for our family and so um, when i moved in with alton i just moved my skeletons right on in his closet and he already had some hanging there and so it created some new dynamics but we both really struggled to—we we knew what we didn't want yeah. in relationship. He had some things in his family. I had some stuff in mine that were unhealthy that right off the bat we could identify we didn't want. And for me, I think the top thing I brought into relationship with him um, was I wanted to communicate. I needed to communicate. And I probably pushed that way further than that poor guy yeah. deserved and to it's have because
0: to, of what you felt like you'd missed yes. growing up.
1: And I think there was such a fear in me of of not communicating, not knowing what was going on, you know, just needing to know, "What what are you thinking about this? How are you feeling about this? Because I can't. I can't know how to respond if I don't know what's going on and navigate that. And and I think even um, I, I was probably personality wise a little more like my dad than yeah. my mom, so I could get a temper, um, or I had a temper, I guess. <laughs> and um, so that was something that I, you know, would would come up. I would just get real frustrated about wanting to communicate and pushing. To get something back and craving that intimacy so much that we talked about everything. We, you know, and I, I just really had to through the years learn that sometimes you're just in a grumpy mood because you didn't get enough sleep. And if you'd go to bed and sleep the next day, things will not be fine. everything has
0: to be hashed out.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and so um, that that really was some difficult, frustrating years for us early on. But um, what happened? For us, that was such God's blessing in our, in our family to, to me, was that we got involved in when, when I met Alton, he was attending a church, and, and I started attending a church with him. And um, there were people in that church who started, you know, kind of helping point us in a better direction. We just needed that, um, that guidance and stuff, but we started doing all the things we thought. Would would show God that we loved Him and trying to honor His commandments. We would go to church. We, you know, we um, took our kids to Sunday school. We prayed before meals. Yeah. We did devotions at home. We tried to do all those things. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, these were some things that were missing. So this is going to fix everything. And just really wanting that, you know, so much, just craving that um, thing. But what was happening too in 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 the same time was while we were trying to grow and learn and press forward, is my relationship with my mom and dad, I still wanted that with them so much. I really wanted them to, to, I wanted to feel known by
0: them. Coming to faith in Jesus didn't automatically fix that.
1: Absolutely. So I was ten years old when I got saved and and res- responded to the gospel because the pastor said that Jesus would wash me clean, and in my little ten year old mind, I thought that's going to help me be good, and I thought once I do this, then I I won't yeah. be part of the problem anymore. But I still was. I still did mess up. Yeah. I still, especially teenage years, you know, I messed up and. And mom still withdrew, and daddy still blew up. So salvation alone didn't it didn't fix that. And then here, years later, as a young adult, a mom on my own, um, and my husband trying, to, we're trying to everything we know to do, to trying to do right, is realizing that. Um, it was t- taking me further and further away from relationship with my mom and, mm. and dad, and but yet wanting to have that. And so I would try to spend time with them. I'd try to ease those skeletons out of the closet to see if we could talk about them or resolve them or, or just get answers for yeah. why things happen. And only to be kind of like they would be snatched back and shoved back in that closet and slam the door. And sure. we don't talk about those, you know, it's like that's that's personal business. And so yeah. um, those that was a challenge for yeah, us. I think,
0: you know, like you talk about, it's important for people to realize that coming to faith in Jesus doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. make those skeletons disappear. Right. But I do think the gospel can help us process those skeletons and heal those skeletons. Mm-hmm. Um, because growing up in a family where you knew you were loved. but the relationship was very conditional. Um, And then coming to faith in Jesus, where it was not just you were loved, but you were unconditionally loved. And there was an unconditional relationship. How did that understanding uh, of the gospel and who Jesus was and your relationship with him, how did that help you find some healing and freedom from those skeletons?
1: Yeah. So looking back, you know, um, unconditional love, like I knew my mom and dad loved me. There was no doubts about that. I knew they did. They provided, they protected, they did their best, really, while they were dealing with their own skeletons yeah, to that's a good point. to not um, repeat the things that their parents had done. And they did a good job on those things. You know, they, they changed the dynamics from their childhood to, to my childhood. And I think they actually were even surprised that I had <laughs> skeletons like most parents are. You yeah. know, we think we love our kids so much, we do so much for them. What do you mean you got a skeleton, you know? Well, like
0: you said, you don't always see those skeletons as skeletons that are that close to you.
1: Right, absolutely. And so um, understanding that Jesus, not just the salvation, the gift of eternal life, but that unconditional relationship the unconditional love like I, I, looking back on that I, I believe my parents loved me through all of it you yeah. know and they were proud of me in their own way and and things my dad would tell people that I worked for the church you know that was yeah. that was a pride thing for him but he didn't really know what I did yeah. but he knew I worked <laughs> there and so um, it was just so so interesting with that but but Jesus, unconditional love, that unconditional relationship that no matter what we've done, no matter what our struggle is, we can come to him anytime he's willing to listen. He's got a word for us, no yeah. matter what. hes He communicates with us. hes He can be so sweet yeah, to us. There's not going to be
0: a blow up or a withdrawal.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's never that harsh condemnation, nor is it that I'm not talking to you right now, that you never yeah. get that. And so that was the healing um, acceptance that gave me the courage to open that closet wide, pull those skeletons out, and even begin to share them as I counseled with other families and, and couples, and say, "This is my experience, and you know, yeah. this is what Jesus did for me, and this is how He can help you too." So, really, the counseling was such the the turn, you know, the the avenue that God used to help me open my closet. As you're
0: counseling. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And helping other people deal with those skeletons in their closet. And I love Acts 17, verse 26, because it says this, And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. And I think that as we pull those skeletons out of the closet, that's what we're doing is we are seeking God and feeling our way towards Him and finding Him. That unconditional love of acceptance that not only does God still love us, still want relationship despite those skeletons, He wants us to bring them out, hang them on the porch so He can use yeah, them to bless good. other people.
0: Well, I think yeah. um, there, there's a tension there that we should probably talk about. And that is that just because you're ready to deal with these skeletons yeah. does not mean that your pa- your parents or your past or your family yeah. are. Um, so how do you begin to to show grace with somebody who's hey you're ready to deal with this but they're not yeah. how how do you how do you process that
1: yeah so you know one of the things that's so important um, when we are dealing with a uh, dysfunctional family member who maybe has hurt us or continues to you know unhealthy behavior or something is that we have to set some boundaries up and for a lot of people I know boundaries sound harsh or mean or like you're trying to control them or whatever but you're not setting Boundaries for them. You're setting boundaries for yourself to protect yourself. It's kind of like if you know if somebody punches you in the arm three or four times, it's going to hurt. If they do it three or four hundred times, you're going to have some nerve damage. It's going to yeah. you're not going to feel anything. And that's what happens when we stay in close relationship with someone who's not. Um, in healthy behavior or, you know, healthy relationship mode hasn't doesn't have the skills for that. And so taking a step back is a way to protect that love we have for them. Proverbs four twenty three says, above all else, we have to guard our hearts. Yeah. And that when I think about that, what it says to me is I've got to guard my ability to love someone. And if they're hurting me and it's gonna hurt that power that I have to love them, I've got to back up and not allow them to keep hurting me so that I can yeah. still love them well, even if it's from a distance.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that may not feel loving to them at the time, but what you're doing is saying, hey, I'm going to kind of deal with those skeletons so I can love you, and Absolutely. if I get that close, I, I can't. I think that's, I think that's good, um, I, I think that's important. But I I think, you know, that, like you say, you got to kind of hold that with grace because um, really what you can't do, and I've heard you say this before, is you can't look to them to give you what they don't have to give you. But you can look to Jesus for that. And I think that's one of the gifts Mm -hmm. um, that the gospel brings that helps us process that. If you go back and look at Josiah's story that we read and look in verse 2, it says something pretty interesting there in verse 2. It says Josiah did what was right in the Lord's sight, and he walked in the ways of his ancestor David. Mm-hmm. Some translations say his father David, and that's kind of important because usually when it talks about a king, it would say his father Ammon or his grandfather Manasseh. But David didn't, or I'm sorry, but uh, Josiah didn't. He didn't walk in their ways. He walked in the way of a new family, and that's one of the things that uh, that salvation Jesus offers brings us is a new family. The Bible says that we, when we repent of our sin, we talked about last week, trust Jesus as our Savior, we are adopted into God's family. Mm -hmm. So I think um, that that new family, they're, they're there are more people than just those in our past that we can look to, to find some of the relationship and even new behaviors that yeah, we need.
1: Absolutely. So I remember one time coming home, um, I'd spent an afternoon at my mom's and she and I'd had a, tried to have a discussion about some things and um, really hurt my feelings. She kind of shut down, wouldn't talk and I came home really upset. And that had happened many, of t- many times, multiple times. And so I was talking to my to Alton about it and he looked at me and said, "Um, I'm sorry. He said, It just, I think you're trying to get something from your mom. She doesn't have to give you. And wow, when he said that, I thought, that's exactly what it feels like you know and and instead of being angry at her for not being able to give that to me that gave me some compassion for yeah, her to good. be able to to realize that you know I couldn't get something from her she didn't have and and even now with grown children that sometimes my children may need things and think they can get it from me and I may not have it to give them and so yeah. being on Flipping on both sides of that can give you compassion for this side, but also understand humility. Man, that's really good, right?
0: Because what you're saying is is that our parents, grandparents, those in our past, Mm -hmm. don't often see the skeletons that we're dealing with as skeletons. And, you know, what are you doing? You know, why is that a big deal for you? Mm -hmm. But I think there's got to be a little humility on our part to know that that generation coming behind us, they're going to have stuff to deal with that we didn't intend. And we have to be willing to show grace and walk in humility and say, Okay, we're not. If you think this needs to be pulled out of the closet, we're not going to shove it back in. That's
1: right. That's right. And I think. Um, the the main thing to help us going forward when we have adult children or people in our lives that are dealing with things that come to us is to remember that unconditional love that jesus has offered that to them to give them the power to open those doors wide and pull those skeletons out to walk th- beside them through hashing that out yeah. and trying to heal that and encourage them and not being afraid of the shame it's going to bring back on us that we didn't do something right or that we We didn't, you know, we weren't a good parent or whatever. But cheer them on as young adults or or adults that or teenagers, whatever that are trying to figure this out to Show them, push Jesus, you know, out front and center, and let them see that that unconditional love and relationship that He offers that it um, gets rid of the shame. It gets, it just frees us up to be able to deal with those skeletons and let God use them for good in our life.
0: Well, I think that's one of the things that I've heard you say again and again, is that it's exciting when you see God use your past to help people find healing in their Mm -hmm. present, or even if it's not something related to you as a counselor, putting your professional hat back on, you get to see people find that freedom. And so Mm -hmm. kind of where we wanna start bringing bringing it home today is the idea that, look, we all have dysfunction in our past. Mm -hmm. And we all have skeletons in our closet to deal with. Um, But just because it didn't start with you doesn't mean it can't end with you. You you don't have to be chained to those skeletons. There is freedom that can be uh, found there. And you get to see that maybe on a more regular basis than a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, as I think back about that, my mom and dad have both been passed away um, about a year from my dad, about three years from my mom. And so having that space and distance You know, for the last couple of, for this season of coming through grief and, you know, finding a place to put all those memories and things like that, it's just realizing that my mom and dad did a significant amount of work on their own skeletons to make sure that I didn't have the same ones they did. And even though they were surprised by mine, I still had some. And that kind of taught me not to be surprised when my kids have some. I think about Josiah, you know, he grew up. Seeing the devastation that was caused by the decisions of his father, the king, his grandfather, all of that. And I think sometimes our kids can see the struggles with their generation based on the the decisions made by people who grew up in the previous generation because life's always changing and growing and needs are different. Things um, were more, we get more information about stuff, whatever. And so, I think just by nature of that, Chip, every generation's gonna say, "Why did y'all do it that way?" Yeah. Because they have more information, more freedom, or whatever it is, yeah. different experiences, and so being able to process that um, is is gonna be part of it. Yeah.
0: So yeah. we can either have those skeletons that kind of compound over generations Mm -hmm. and feel the negative effects, or if we create a culture where each generation can deal with the skeletons that are in the past, you you have a generation that is growing more healthy, more functional, Mm -hmm. and in our context, um, closer to Jesus.
1: Yeah, and I I just believe communication is still so much the key for that, and I don't know if that's just something God wired into me early on to see that need, but if we're not communicating communicating with with the generation before us and the generation after us, there's gonna be that's the whole idea I think God has of us passing down our heritage, our legacy. Yeah. And we wanna make sure Jesus is front and center yeah. on that. That Because he is the only thing, only place we can get that unconditional that's love right. and acceptance. And that's the only thing that gets rid of the fear, gets rid of the shame that lets us open the door.
0: Well, that's really good. I appreciate your time yeah. letting us uh, kind of talk through this today. Yeah. Uh, not just from a professional side, but from a personal Absolutely. side. I think it's been helpful. I, I know a lot of you maybe have some things that you need to process now when you're thinking through. So feel free, uh, shoot us a message in one of our inboxes, email us, even comment below if you need to talk to somebody, because we have people who are more than willing to talk to you right now to help you kind of begin to process uh, some of that and help you find freedom from those skeletons uh, in Jesus, who he is and what he's done. But uh, let's pray together. Let me pray for you guys uh, and we'll be done. God, we are thankful for this time that you've given us today to talk. God, thank you for Angie and her willingness to come and share her story and, and how she's processed that and found freedom from some of that. And, and God, I pray that you would help us be a people to show grace to those uh, who have created skeletons in our life. And and God, we're not trying to minimize or equate anybody's skeletons. We know they're all different. We know that we all have different levels of dysfunction in our family. And, and so God, I just pray uh, that you would help us be able to look back with grace on that and that we would be able to walk in humility forward as, as we move forward and see some of the skeletons that we inadvertently create, that we would not be hiding them in the closet, but like we talked about last week, that we could bring them out knowing that there is no forgiveness that is too big for you to show to us. There's nothing uh, that would uh, be too much for you to forgive. Mm-hmm. And so God, I just pray now that you would use this in our lives as a trophy of grace, God, that you would help us uh, to be an example to others about the freedom and hope that can be found in Jesus.